This teaching comes to you from the team at Anchor Church Sydney. We hope you're blessed by it. For more teachings, resources or info, check out our website www.anchorchurch.com.au Good morning. Good morning. Great to see you guys here this morning. My name is James, as Esther mentioned. I'm one of the pastors here in Anchor City and I'm also a part of the West Pimble Gospel Community. Uh, and as Esther mentioned, the Sparks family, unfortunately, has got COVID at the moment, so we'd really love if you'd be uh, upholding them in prayer. Um, if you feel comfortable reaching out, see if they need any support or meals or anything like that, I'm sure they'd really appreciate that. Well, this morning, I'm excited to uh, share a message with us called, We're Better Together. And so as uh, we get into that, let me pray for us. Would you join me, please? Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that we can gather together uh, this morning as your people under the name of Jesus. And we thank you that you are a speaking God, that you are a personal God. And so as we meet, Lord, we do so uh, not just to go through some kind of religious exercise, but to actually commune with you, to hear from you, uh, to engage uh, with what you are doing, what you want to do in our hearts, in our lives, Lord. And so in this time, speak to us, God. Use my words, uh, Holy Spirit, and I pray that we would be built up as a result of this. I pray all this in the name of Jesus. And all God's people said, amen, amen. We're better together. We're better together. Well, uh, when I was studying, I worked a part-time job in a cafe so I could earn a little bit of pocket money to uh, support just any fun things that I wanted to do, and uh, that wasn't a joke, and um, it was a pretty popular cafe that I worked at, and so we would just like, we'd get slammed uh, in the peak times, whether that was the pre-work rush, um, or during brunch, or during lunch, and it was a bit of a baptism by fire for me, because it was my first hospitality gig, and those who have worked in hospitality, you would know that it can be really fast-paced at times, And you really need to be competent and you really need to be decisive with what you're doing uh, during a service. I remember a couple of weeks after I started, I got yelled at for the first time in this new job when I put through an order for a slice of banana bread. Uh, Would you like that heated? Yes, please. Buttered and heated, put it under the grill of that little oven. And just in the haste and the hurry of taking orders and trying to wait tables and clear dishes, I just completely forgot about it. Uh, And about six minutes later, we began to smell the burning smell of that slice of banana bread. And my manager just yelled at me. I was like, what are you doing? Incompetent. And uh, she didn't actually say incompetent, but it was, you know, equivalent words. Uh, equivalent meaning, at least that's how I received it. And one of the things that this job taught me was the importance of working together as a team and relying on each other. You know, in our cafe, everyone had a different role. We had the barista, we had a couple of cooks, and we had a few uh, kitchen slash wait staff. And so we would take orders process that in the register, it'd shoot out that little docket, we had two little machines, one next to the coffee machine, one next to where the kitchen was, the uh, chefs and the barista would get the orders, they'd make the stuff, and uh, we didn't use a bell system, so they'd ring, they'd call out when something was ready, and uh, you know, as wait staff, we had to be constantly listening for the order, and then we'd grab it, double check the docket, which table is this going to, which number, and then run that out, and then after you run that out, 
have a look. Are there tables to be cleaned? What do we need to do? And so it was really important to be working together as a team. There's a system that relies on everyone playing their part and everyone bringing their unique contribution to the table. If one part of the team happens to be uh, maybe just a little bit slow, not quite on the ball that day, like me when I burned that banana bread, or unavailable, um, or they're not contributing, the whole service takes a hit. And this principle applies to many different contexts, but today I want to talk about it in the context of church community. You know, we find ourselves in a season where I think it's natural to have a hesitancy towards being involved with things, uh, committing to plans. Uh, and over the past few years, we've faced legitimate health concerns, and we've lived in a way which I think has conditioned us to live in a very isolated manner, um, where we're not necessarily you know, being selfish, but it's more that because we've lived so isolated, we've gotten used to considering, I guess, less people in our decision-making in the things that we do. And so some of us, when it comes to church, some of us have been all in on community since that new year rolled around and the factory opened again. Uh, some of us have returned quickly, but perhaps with caution and hesitancy to kind of throw ourselves into the regular routine of community and GC and things like that. Um, and perhaps some of us uh, still find ourselves in the process of returning, uh, maybe finding our feet back at church again. Uh, maybe if you're tuning in online, you're kind of trying to work up the courage or the initiative to, to want to do that. And while all that's been happening, we've still had lots of new people joining our church community. And so things continue to hum along and our church continues to grow. And so wherever you're at this morning, uh, my hope is that this message will help you see the invaluable part that you have to play in our church community and encourage you to keep leaning in as we navigate this post-pandemic life and community together. And so if you are someone who's here and you're part of the Anchor family, you call Anchor home, consider this a little bit of a, uh, a, a um, half-time huddle as we kind of take stock of the year that's been and where we're at and we think about what's coming up in the future. And if you're here and you're joining us maybe for the first time or the second time or you're just kind of feeling things out, maybe this will give you a little insight into you know, what it means for us to be a family here at Anchor. Uh, you know, one of the things that we say uh, is that church isn't an event to attend, it's actually a family to belong to. And so if you're new or visiting, maybe this will give you an insight into that as you kind of consider, hey, do I want to keep sticking around? Is this something I might like to be a part of? So that's where we're going this morning. I want to give us three reminders of who we are as the people of God and what it is that we bring to the table as we come to gather together and to meet with one another and spend time in fellowship and community. Does that sound all right? Great. All right. Well, let's go. So the first reminder I want to give us this morning is this. Your presence is powerful. Your presence is powerful. If you're taking notes, you can jot that down. Uh, otherwise, come with me to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. If you've got a Bible there, flick open. We're just going to jump around to a few different verses, a few different passages today. Uh, open up your Bible, have a look with me, or I think the verses will be on the screen behind me as well. 
So Hebrews chapter 10, starting in verse 23 to 25, and the author says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. And so what's happening in this passage is that the author of Hebrews, who's writing to Christians, the followers of Jesus, and this whole book is about persevering and explaining how the gospel and Jesus is better than all of these kind of Old Testament sacrificial things. But in this particular passage, the author of Hebrews is encouraging believers to hold on to their hope in Jesus. And so the hope of the gospel, see there in verse 23, the hope that we profess, and to consider how the believers can spur each other on towards love and good deeds. And so there is a point being made here about being physically present with each other, physical community, embodied community, we might say. As the author says, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another. In fact, all the more, which you could say, you know, paraphrase, And increasingly so as the day approaches, that last day when Jesus returns is what he's referring to there. And so in a time where so much of life has become via distance, you know, I'm sure some of you are working from home maybe three, four, maybe even five days a week. Uh, where, you know, we're running meetings on Zoom. I think I saw, like, on social media, someone sharing this week, or maybe it was the week before, like, you can do gym classes through Zoom now as well. Like, you can do, like, Pilates or other, or other classes without having to leave your home. In a time where so much of life has become via distance, the Word of God says we can't underrate the value of being physically together. Uh, See, on Friday, I caught up with um, my cousins uh, for brunch. Friday's my day off because I work on Sundays. And so, uh, you know, I don't know what they were doing. That's not their day off. But anyway, we caught up for brunch and we went for yum cha, which was um, so good. Not just the yum cha, the company too. And uh, it was just the best, this life-giving time of being together, sharing life, catching up, speaking into each other's lives. And we have a group chat you know, that we will interact on throughout the week. We'll share life updates and announcements, but it's really just not the same. It's nothing compared to being in person. And in the same way, we tend to get the most out of our Christian community when we commit to spending substantial, unhurried, physical time with each other. So as we kind of approach the halfway point of the year, we're coming towards the end of May, next month will be June. I want us to reflect on some questions this morning. And the first one is, how are you going with that as we approach the halfway mark of this year? How are you going with carving out substantial, unhurried, in-person time with your brothers and sisters in faith? Because you see, the power and the benefit of Christian community isn't just that we get together to have fun and to eat good food and to hang out, like I did with my cousins that day. In fact, no, the author of Hebrews here says, consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. 
And so the power of Christian community is that unlike every other context that we might gather in, whether it's like, you know, a, a social footy team that you're part of or a reading club or, a, you know, a mother's group or just a network of friends uh, coming together, when we meet, we have the potential to spur each other on to make a spiritual impact in each other's lives. Did you know that as we meet together, as you come to meet together on a Sunday or in a gospel community or in a triplet or just in an informal setting with brothers and sisters in Christ, that as you do that, you come carrying the gospel, that the spirit of the living God dwells inside of you. And because that is true, every time that you meet together, there is the potential for God to do a work in you and through you and in and through the people around you so that you might be built up and spurred on for your good, for their good. Like, Do you understand how significant that is? And I think sometimes when we meet, we just think like, oh, I'm just coming to something. I'm just rocking up. I'm just going to be there. And we don't realize that as we meet, there is potential there for God to work through us in a powerful way. And so I wonder what would change if we viewed every opportunity to meet together as a potential opportunity for God to do something amazing, for God to do something powerful in us and through us for the sake of others, to speak through us to other people, to bring an encouraging word, to lift up someone who's hurting or grieving, to bring truth, to bring revelation. See, your presence is powerful. The second reminder this morning that I want to share with us is that your gifts grow the church. Your gifts grow the church. Come with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 4. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He writes, There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in every one, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So if you're unfamiliar with this passage, let me just give you the context real quick, because that's important. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church, the Christians in Corinthians, and he's talking about spiritual gifts, which is the gifts, the skills and talents that God gives his people for the sake of the building up of the church. And so he uses um, three descriptions here. He says, firstly, there's different types of gifts, so different gifts that people have, but it's the same spirit who gives them all, who distributes them. He says there's different types of service, so there's different, different ways to serve, but despite that, it's the same Lord that we're serving as we do that. And thirdly, he says there's different kinds of working, but in all of them, behind the scenes, it's the same God who's at work in and through all of those works. And so despite the differences in the gifts themselves and the types of service and the types of work, ultimately they come from the same source and God is the one working through all of them. 
And not only that, but the Apostle Paul says they're given also for the same purpose, the common good of all the people in that community. That's what it means where it says given for the common good. Now, Katie and I, uh, we have just recently finished a renovation of um, our apartment. And during that process, we've had a whole bunch of different tradies come in to do different work. And uh, Katie's been incredible. She's been like overseeing them and managing them all. And so we've had a whole bunch of different people. We've had a carpenter come through. We've had an electrician, a plumber, a tiler, and a glazier. And if you don't know what a glazier is, uh, I didn't know what a glazier was either. Apparently someone who does glass and stuff like that in the bathroom. Important stuff. Uh, and so, well, did you guys know what a glazier was before? Some honest people down the front said, nope. Um, anyway, you need them so that, you know, you shower, the water doesn't go everywhere. It's important. And they all had different skills. They all had different areas of specialization. So they came in and did their works. They knew what tasks they needed to do, what area of the apartment they needed to work in. But ultimately, they were all working for the same person, for us, and they were all working for the same purpose. The end result that their work contributed to was the same. And the bottom line is, we needed each and every one of them to come in and to play their part and to do their work. The renovation literally couldn't have finished without each and every one of them. And if even one of them had been unable to contribute or hadn't showed up or hadn't finished their work, the project just would have been missing a crucial and essential aspect. It wouldn't have been whole. It wouldn't have been complete. And that's what it's like in the church. God has wired and gifted us in different ways, and though we bring different things to the table, at the end of the day, we're working for the same God, same person, and for the same purpose, and the same common good. And in the same way, when one of those important roles and one of those important gifts is missing, the result is we are not whole. In fact, we have a deficit. It might not look like it in, in some ways. You might not see it to begin with, but there are things that are missing. And so a question that I want us to reflect on is what gifts has God given you? What gifts has God given you? Now, it could be something that is very unique to who you are. It could be something that is, uh, you know, not many other people could do. It could be something that a lot of other people could do. It might be a particular thing in one season. It might be a particular thing in another season, maybe based on need that you see. But what gifts has God given you? What has he placed in your hand? And are you using those gifts for the common good? Or are you unavailable, perhaps? Uh, are you withholding, maybe? Because here's the thing. We won't be the church that God has called us to be without everyone using their gifts for the common good. And I think this is something that as a church, like we need to keep coming back to over and over again because like we put on our Sundays and we meet in a theater and we're up on a stage and you know there's aspects that appear to be like slick and well put together 
You know, our musicians are amazing. Hopefully the preachers are okay. But we need everyone's gifts to do what God has called us to do in this city. Like, you know that church is more than just a service, right? Like, our contribution in this city is more than just what we do up on this platform. It's who we are. It's what God has put in our hands. And it's what we do and bring into the world as we go out every day in our workplaces, in our families, in our universities, in all of the contexts that we meet, in all of the contexts that we gather, that we go into. We are the church. We're called to be the church. And we need you, whatever it is that you bring to the table. And so what is God calling you to do? I wonder, is if, I wonder if as we come to the halfway mark of the year in about a month and we look to the year ahead, sorry, we look to the half year ahead, are there ways that God's calling you to step out in faith? Are there things that he's calling you to maybe loosen your grip on a little bit and go, hey, I can make a difference here. I can make a difference here for the common good. What contribution can you make? So your presence is powerful. Your gifts grow the church. And thirdly, and lastly, your prayers can change lives. Your prayers can change lives. And maybe as you're sitting there today, you're hearing these three kind of titles, these three points of the message, and you're thinking, wow, they sound really like, they sound really like ambitious and really impactful, and I just don't really believe it. And that's kind of the point of why I wanted to make the message like this, because I want you to see that the church isn't what happens on the platform. The church isn't a gifted few preachers and anointed leaders or whatever. The church is the people, and all of us have the Spirit of God living inside of us. If you call Jesus Lord, if you've put your faith in Christ, you are called, you are empowered, you are gifted. Ephesians 2 verse 10 says, You are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. And you know the amazing thing about that? It's saying that before you were even created, before you were even born, God already predestined good works for you to do. That means your life, you have a plan and a purpose and a calling and he's given you what you need to carry that out. Like you have significance in the body of Christ. You have significance in the church, in your community, because God has called you. And he's prepared good works for you to do in advance. And that should make us not passive, but active, not consumers, but participants. So your presence is powerful, your gifts grow the church, and finally, your prayers can change lives. Now come with me to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. The Apostle Paul says this, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, and with this in mind, be alert and always, listen to this, always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. 
And so these verses come following, they come towards the end of the book of Ephesians, and the Apostle Paul has just been talking about in this chapter this idea of spiritual warfare, which if maybe you're new to Christianity or maybe you don't follow Jesus, is basically the fact that we believe in a supernatural God. And we believe in a supernatural realm and in if there's God and there's powers of good, then there's powers of evil. And Paul's been talking about what we do in this spiritual battle. And he's been teaching about how our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the forces of evil. And here he emphasizes the importance of prayer. And what I think is really interesting about this verse, because uh, I read this so many times, and I never really thought there was anything particularly interesting about it. But as I was studying it yesterday, uh, what really stuck out to me is that here, and catch this, the Apostle Paul emphasizes the importance of prayer, but not only prayer for ourselves, prayer for each other. And here's why that's profound, because I think when we think about praying for things that we need, whether it's like provision or healing or, or comfort or peace or whatever that might be, I think we're really, really good. And it's very instinctive and very natural and very normal, almost like a reflex for us to pray for ourselves. Like that's not hard, right? Like you need something, you feel something, you're in distress, you need provision, you need breakthrough. What do we do as followers of Jesus? We get down our knees and, our, and we pray for ourselves. But I wonder how much do we pray for others? How instinctive, how much of a reflex, how natural is it that we pray for others in the same way that we pray for ourselves? See, Paul doesn't say, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for yourself. No, he says, with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. And so why would Paul encourage that? Why would he command that in a passage about spiritual warfare? And I think the answer is because our prayers for others make a difference. Do you understand that? That when you pray for someone, when someone asks you for prayer and you pray for them, maybe you lay hands in the quietness, you pray for them one-on-one, -on -one, you pray for them in a GC context, you pray for them after church, whenever it is, you know, someone texts in your GC chat, hey, I'm going through this, can you pray for me? And you pray for them. Did you know that's not just token? Like that's not just a wishful thinking, like God, here's something that, let me just loft it up to you and maybe you'll do something with that if you happen to be awake and paying attention. No, that as we pray for each other, it actually makes a difference. Our prayers are powerful. Powerful to bring protection. Powerful to comfort someone, to bring them peace, to give them wisdom, to give them discernment, to bring them provision. So here's the crazy thing, the thing that I need to remind myself, that we need to remind each other of. God uses the prayers that we pray for each other as part of His plan for their lives. Let me say that again because it's a little bit wordy. God uses the prayers that we pray for each other as part of His plan for their lives. 
I mean, that's crazy. Like, God doesn't have to do that. Like, He could just write the, the end of the story by Himself, but instead, He puts us into the book as characters on the page, and we bring about the story as it progresses. As we pray, God's will happens. And I wonder how would that impact our attitudes towards praying for each other? Like we've all been there, right? Like we've all sat in that context where someone shares something and then it's like, like, should I offer to pray for them? Or, or maybe you're in a little group and it's like someone shares something and, you know, the GC leader has that awkward like, so does anyone want to pray for this person? And then we all kind of look down at the floor and it's like, well, not me. I can't, I, I'll wait for like one of the really keen, zealous, super Christian people to pray for them. But if we actually believe that when we pray for others, it changes things, how would that impact our attitudes towards praying for each other, ministering for one another? How that impact our expectation about what God might do as we pray? You know, when I was uh, 15 years old, I grew up in a Christian family and I basically was in the church my whole life. And when I was 15 years old, I turned my back on God. And I walked away from the church, stopped going to youth, basically stopped living like God was even there. And it was particularly devastating for my parents, um, just devout, faithful, devoted Christians who just love the Lord. And it hit them the hardest. And it was interesting because I'm a mama's boy. And over those, over three years, like my mom and I would have this push and pull of sometimes I'd go to church on a Sunday night um, because she'd ask me if like we could go to church. And so like we spent probably like nine months visiting different churches around where we lived and we'd never go really to the same one twice. And my mom would initiate and she'd say, James, do you want to go to this evening church? You know, evening church, because that's where the young people are. And hopefully I can make some friends and they'll impact me. And because I'm a mama's boy, I felt really guilty and sad. And so I'd always say yes. And I'd go to my mom and sit through church. But I didn't really want to be there. And over the course of these years that I was not walking with the Lord, my mom would constantly remind me, James, I'm praying for you every day. And she didn't do it in... A pushy way. Mom, if you're watching this, love you. She didn't do it in a pushy way. She just did it in like a, you know, I love you and I just want you to know that I'm praying for you. God never gives up on you. God loves you. Excuse me. And she would tell me that she prayed for me every single day. Every single day. And at the time, I didn't really care. It was like in one ear, out the other ear. Yeah, mom, I get it. Like, and it's a nice sentiment. I love you for loving me, but like, whatever. I'm not going back to church. It is what it is. And after three years of praying for me every day and telling me, just reminding me of God's faithfulness, after three years, I walked into a church for the first time at 18 years of age without my mom and by my own choice because God had softened my heart and He had pursued me and He had used my mother's prayers 
to change my life. And when I look back on it, I genuinely and wholeheartedly believe that my mom prayed me back, not just into the church, but into right relationship with God. And obviously God was working in that and He's sovereign. And you know, there's questions, if she didn't do it, then what would have happened and all that kind of stuff. Let's not get caught up in that. The fact is, if she hadn't prayed for me, I don't think I would have gone down the path that I did. And I wouldn't be where I am today without her prayers. And that's the power of prayer. That's the power of prayer. That as we pray for each other and as we persist and as we endure, that God actually takes our prayers and He uses them as part of His plan for the lives of other people. And He carries out His will through those prayers. And so we ought to make the most of every opportunity that we have to pray for each other because God is using them. He wants to use them to change the lives of the people around us. And so as I close this morning, you know, I know this has been a different, a different week, a different type of sermon. But as I close this morning, I want to encourage, you know, those who call Anchor Home, those who, you know, this is your church. It's been a weird couple of years. And in some ways, like, you know, as I talk to people in the community, you know, people say things like, yeah, church is going well, but it feels like it's been a little bit slow. It's taken some time to kind of ramp up. Um, you know, we're still finding our feet. It's taking a while to feel like a part of community. And I want to invite you to lean in and to help create, to help be the kind of church that you want to see. To help be the kind of church that you want to see. Because when we say that you are the church every week, so go and be the church, we really mean that. And I think some of us, you know, there's a hesitancy to, to press in and to lean in because of all the uncertainty in the world. And, you know, I was talking to um, Josh Yanto, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and he said, you know, that's not, that's not specific to church. That's just life. Like we've all gone through this period of disorientation. And so it's not like we're holding back from church. It's just that there's uncertainty and we've been shocked by the last couple of years and we don't really know like what to do. There's indecision, there's hesitancy, there's passiveness. And that's just what's happening in our lives in general. But what I do know for sure is that if we want to see the kind of church that God has called us to be, that if we want to experience the kind of church that, that we know we want, which I think we all know, right? Like we know the kind of church that we want to be a part of, then we need to be that church. I think that so often we, you know, if we were to go around and say, hey, what kind of church do you want to see? What kind of church do you want to be a part of? What church do you want to be a part of? Just be a really easy answer because we all know what that church is. But I think what we underrate is the value and the role of our part in creating that reality. And so be the church that you want to see, church, because we are the church and we are, are better together. And if you're new and you're visiting, you know, hopefully this has given you an insight into this is who we are. This is our family. This is what we believe. This is who we want to be. And we want to invite you to be a part of that. You know, don't just sit on the fringes. Don't be content just coming to a Sunday service. You know, that's great. 
but it's what's below the surface. That's where the transformation happens. That's where the deep community happens. That's where the life-giving relationships happen. That's where God does the greatest work in that space of community. And so that's my encouragement to us this morning. Why don't you stand as we respond in worship and let me pray for us. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you that it's because of him that we get to call each other brothers and sisters. We thank you that it's because of him that we get to be part of the family of God, that we get to meet together, that we have a hope and a purpose and a future. Even in the midst of uncertainties, even in the midst of strange times. And so God, I pray that that you would water any seeds that you've planted today, words that you have spoken through me by your grace into the hearts of your people. I pray that you would water those, God. That if there's people on the fringes who know that it's time to lean in, I pray that you give them the courage to do that. Lord, if there's people with gifts who know that they've got something to bring to the table, I pray that you'd, you'd help them, Lord, to, to put their hand up to serve for the greater good, Lord. I pray that we would see the power of prayer, the power of ministering to each other. The fact that you use us, Lord, to change each other's lives as we pray, as we seek you, Lord, as we commit ourselves to you. And so I thank you for this church. I thank you for this family, God. And I pray that as we continue navigating this season, continue walking forwards together, God, that you would bless us, that you would build us, that you would grow us, shape us, Lord, according to your will for your glory, Lord, for our good and our joy. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.